Very good morning, folks. So is faith irrational? And uh, the scripture that uh, we've just shared um, speaks about foolishness of our faith. And so I guess as we think about is faith irrational, we also ask the question, is faith foolish? So the scripture that uh, we have just shared from um, the writings of Paul, he wrote this to the early community, um, the early Christian community in Corinth. And as we know, in lots of Paul's writings, he touches on lots of various um, concerns, some of them answering questions about conduct or theology. But there's a lot more to his writings than just that. They're very carefully composed with one crucial topic at their very heart, which is the meaning of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And Paul was the first to interpret the events around the life and death of Christ in a coherent and theologically reflective way. He explained through his writings the meaning of the cross. In the Gospels, we get an account of the actual events. But it is through Paul's writings that the um, events of the death and resurrection are given a deeper meaning. Now, as we know, the Apostle Paul was a very sharp and influential theologian. And we also know that he was quite a character prior to his conversion. We know that he was a real fanatic. He was one of the most ruthless persecutors of early Christians before he converted to, to become the intellectual leader of Christian faith. And as ruthless as Paul was in persecuting Christians, he became as ruthless in defending the truth faith. In, in defending the truth faith. Perhaps at a time, perhaps at times a bit too ruthless. Paul had high moral standards, many which of which are foreign to our ears today. He had strict views on um, divorce, sin, and the role of women in church. And whilst there are many things that maybe we would disagree with Paul on, there are some things which we can agree on. And one of those things is that Christian faith is foolish. Jesus died on the cross for challenging public and religious authorities claiming to act in the name of God. Three days later, we know he appeared to his disciples and later ascended to heaven. Paul's writings give us an in-depth interpretation of those events. The experience that life is stronger than death was life-changing for those early day believers. And in his writings to the Christians in Rome and Galatia and Corinth, Paul explains the empowering meaning of the life and death of Christ. Maybe, like me, I often get asked, why am I a Christian? Why have I given my life to preach the gospel? Christian faith is foolish. It doesn't make sense to believe in the resurrection of a deceased person. It is wishful thinking. The material fairy tales are made of. Well, Christians were confronted with the same criticism in those early days of Paul. As we read 
in this passage of scripture. Many religious scholars at the time questioned the faith of those early Christians. Some wanted signs, real proof. Others doubted the wisdom of the believers and their lack of knowledge. For the religious elite of those days, all studied and learned men, it was so irritating that a bunch of craftspeople and fishermen who hadn't studied theology or history, they were not part of their temple elite, claimed that they had a wisdom from God. This bunch of simple workmen and women simply bypassed the priests and teachers for whom God's wisdom was more complex than the simple and straightforward belief of Christ crucified. The Jesus movement was an affront to the religious elite of that time. And I guess for you and I, it is so easy to become self-defensive about our faith, particularly maybe now in the context in which we find ourselves as a nation where our faith is under attack where the church and its beliefs are under attack. And so it's easy for us to become quite self-defensive and find clever answers and so-called proofs for what we believe. Yet Paul does something very different and actually, I guess, rather clever. Because rather than being self-defensive and Paul being a learned man as he was, he could have come up with a whole raft of clever arguments, theological arguments, Um, in order to defend his faith. But here, Paul does something very clever. He simply admits, yes, we are foolish. Of course our faith is foolishness. It is foolishness to see God in the weakness of the crucified. It is foolish to see God in the face of the poor and the sick and the everyday man and woman in the street. This is the exact opposite of what people have experienced of religion so far. In Paul's day, people were used to a god or gods depicted as being on the side of the wise, learned men, the kings and leaders of the world. God was with the wealthy and glorified in pompous temples. But there isn't anything glorious, is there, at all about God dying on a cross? turned the whole system of belief upside down. The Egyptian gods, the Roman gods, all these were the gods of the kings and queens. But now here was a god who was the god of everybody and especially the god of the voiceless and hidden, the sick and dying. How foolish is that? Thomas Aquinas, an influential theologian and philosopher of the 13th century, said these words, If Christ had lived in the world of wealth and power and with a high position, it might have been thought that the purpose of his teaching and miracles was to curry human favour and power. Therefore, to make it clear that he was performing works of divine power, Christ chose all that was low and weak in the world, a lowly parents, a life without riches, uncultured disciples, Christ himself was to be rejected and condemned to death by the great ones of the world to make it perfectly clear that the undertaking of his miracles and his teaching was not of human but of divine power. What fools we are still to believe today, 2,000 years later, in this Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
who chose all that was low and weak. How foolish for us to see God in a man suffering on the cross. How foolish and yet how divine to see the light of God in everyone. But foolishness, friends, however, does not mean laziness in thought. Foolishness does not mean ignorance. We are called, based on our irrational and foolish beliefs, to further the kingdom of God, to further the kingdom of the foolish, those who believe in the unbelievable against all the odds, those who believe in the dignity of every human being, those who see God in the brokenness of this world and not exclusively in the glorious things. God is the one who lifts us up when we are low. God is the one who's on the side of the broken and the voiceless. We cannot say what happens around us is none of our business because we are fools. Quite the opposite. Being foolish enough to believe in the resurrection makes us strong. Today it is more important than ever to believe in this gospel of Jesus who has died on the cross and after three days came back to life. Irrational, unprovable and therefore ever more powerful. Or as Paul says, for what seems to be God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and what seems to be God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Today, more than ever, friends, we need to be foolish. We need to believe in miracles. We need to believe that trees can grow in the desert, that flowers can crack open the concrete. We need to hold on to our foolish belief that lives can change in miraculous ways and that that the poorest and weakest will be the strongest. I wonder today if you and I, as we leave this place, will be those foolish believers that we will continue to believe in that foolishness of the gospel because we know that in the foolishness of the gospel, lives are changed, communities are changed, our world is turned upside down. So let us be fools for Christ in these days. Amen. Amen.